Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. And welcome into our fourth and uh, final hour of our four-hour block of outdoor programming. Heard each and every Saturday morning. Been doing this over 30 years now and uh, headed into an uh, anniversary 31. They'll be this summer. Thanks for tuning in. We really appreciate it. We also invite you to send your text messages in. It's the best way we can communicate with our audience. Phone calls take too much time, too long. We much prefer you to shoot us a quick text. Uh, be precise and concise and send us uh, information on who you are, where you are, and what you got going on. I know there's a lot of folks out in the outdoors this weekend. Typically, the Thanksgiving Day weekend is one of the most participated in all year long. Uh, people have an extra day, generally on Friday. Uh, the inshore fishing for saltwater really picks up. Uh, all the hunting seasons uh, coincide, not all, but almost all of them. Small game, deer, duck, goose, quail season, all of those things are, are wide open during the, the Thanksgiving holiday weekend. So make it a, a, a point to celebrate your holidays by getting out with the family and enjoying the great outdoors. In fact, that's the subject of our uh, opinion poll question this month. We've been asking our audience, uh, do you, in fact, uh, make it a point to include hunting and fishing into your holiday celebrations, whether it's Thanksgiving Day or the weekend or Christmas or New Year's. About 86% of our audience says that they do make outdoor activities part of their holiday celebration. You can cast that vote on my webpage at DonTheOutdoorsGuy.com. Uh, we also are checking on a text message. We, we got more duck callers? I hear some ducks in the background. We must have a... A duck caller on the line. Let's see who we got. It's Darren Digby. He hunts on several places. We're not sure exactly where he is today. He may be in Big Branch. He might be in Delacroix. Might be in the Biloxi WMA. Sometimes he even hunts out west. Darren, where are you hunting today? Uh, we're in Delacroix today. Delacroix. I was there on Wednesday. We didn't have a lot of birds, but the ones that came, we made count. We ended up with 15 ducks and had some bonus morganzas. How are you guys doing? Well, pretty good. Uh, we're actually halfway back to the camp at the moment uh, in the boat because uh, we had some a little trickle flight of grays pretty early and often this morning just dropping in. Uh, but, I mean, no wind to speak of. It was clear, calm, and gnats were horrendous. But uh, grays were wanting in pretty good. So did you get your limit? Yeah. Yeah, we've got 12 grades, a buddy and I. Well, you have done much better than most. Uh, most people are sitting around and uh, not a lot of birds flying. Uh, now, the exception is out near Calcasieu, out there where uh, Hackberry Rod and Gun is. They were limited out early at, uh, and headed back in. Same thing, full limit of grades. But uh, Catahoula was starting off slow up that way, and... Uh, down river, down by the mouth of the river, pretty slow down there, and uh, also got a report from the Wrigley's area over there, you know, a little bit to the uh, east of the Big Branch Marsh where they hunt over there. It was also pretty slow. So you guys are very fortunate. Now, were you hunting in, in the uh, the brackish part of Delacroix uh, around Bayou Gentilly, Bayou Long, Garik, that area, or were you over by the, the diversion more closer to Carnarvon? Yeah, we're mostly uh, further out. Um but it's actually maybe it's between Delacroix and Hopedale, but uh, you know it's it's the the saltier marsh. You know it's not that that real lush stuff uh, that you have closer in around Lake Leary and you know Lost Lake and that sort. 
but uh but but truly not that there's just not that many birds around i mean we did not see very many um we were fortunate that you know the ones that were in our area uh were coming in it's a it's a pretty shallow pond with a good bit of food it's isolated so uh we know they like it and it's really just a matter of you know if there are a few in the area they usually want in but but man they're just there's not very many and, and since we left there i've seen a few little divers uh on Lake Amity area and some other little bays, but I've not seen any flights of, of anything, you know, cruising around. Well, it sounds almost like a mirror image of what we had on Wednesday. Uh, we didn't have a lot of birds, but we made the shots count on the ones that did decoy, and they decoyed pretty well. It was a combination of uh, grays and uh, blue wing teal. I think we had one green wing, maybe a spoonie, and, and maybe one dogri. But uh, it was uh, out towards that Pencil Canal area, kind of far out, and you know it was we had a big stand of uh, roseau cane and just kind of backed up to it and put out some decoys in the shallow area. Had plenty of pool dew to provide uh, natural live decoys for us, and we made yeah. the shots count. Sounds like y'all kind of did the same thing. Yeah, it was nice because I mean, unfortunately it is slow and it's not a whole lot of shooting. But I guess the upside of that is if you do have a few birds, you can just let them work. And I mean, they were coming and, and we would just let them pass, especially with no wind. You know, you're never sure if they're gonna they're not gonna want in because the pond's pretty glassy. But um, we would just kind of let them pass and call them back, and man, they just dropped and, and came in pretty. So it was it was it was great. We were really fortunate, but it's been very spotty for us. Uh, you know, just shoot what you can but it's mostly grays but very little of anything else i mean just hardly very few teal some dogree but man just just not much of anything else so where else have you hunted during this first split uh just here and uh up in a parish uh near bunky area and and we we started off really strong there opening day we had 24 with four guns um on opening saturday and then i went back Tuesday, this past Tuesday, and didn't even think about shooting at a duck. And a buddy and I got three specks out of one group, so we salvaged a hunt with three nice speckled bellies. Um, but the plan is to head up that way tomorrow. So uh, with the weather change coming through, um, you know, hopefully that'll shake things up a bit. Yep, everybody's hoping the same thing. So what are the reports you're getting up there for this week? Have you talked to anyone up in that area? And well. It, you know, the weather was pretty fair. Um, I did hear of a, of a couple of decent reports, you know, for those that went um, after I went. Um, but, you know, it's spotty. And I, one guy hunted, you know, the, the place I go to on uh, Friday and didn't didn't really have much at all. Um, but, again, there wasn't much wind, and it was pretty fair. And, and when you're hunting those fields, you, you just you got to have something going on. You know, there's got to be some kind of weather happening more often than not. Um, so I try and focus my efforts on when, you know, day like tomorrow, there's a front coming through tonight and, and that sort of thing. And what about to, to round out the first split? You got, any, you got more hunts planned for during the week or next weekend? Yeah, I think, uh, I might, I could try and get back down this way, uh, and, and hang out at the camp next, next weekend. And maybe we can scrape us up a couple of ducks on Saturday and then get fired up to watch, uh, the Tigers, uh, in the SEC championship Saturday <laughs> afternoon. Yeah. That's going to take a, a lot of people out of the woods and waters when that game comes on. I guess it's a day game. I haven't seen the, the schedule yet. Yeah. I think it's yeah. Early afternoon. I think, uh, something two, three, four o'clock, something like that. I haven't checked. Mm-hmm. 
You know, an area I've been trying to get some updates on, and uh, so far it's just been a lack of uh, people effort because they just don't feel like there's anything there. Big Branch, the National Wildlife Refuge on the North Shore of Pontchartrain. I know you hunt there occasionally. Have you gotten any reports or talked to anyone who's hunted in there? Uh, yeah, I have talked to some guys um, over there. Uh, it's very spotty. Um, you know, it's kind of like the teal season over there. Some people did very well, and some didn't do so hot. Um, but there's some isolated, you know, concentrations of, of birds here and there. But um, I'm, I, th- those that went this morning that I talked to, I know one was already back at his truck because it was so bad. And then uh, another was packing up because they only had a couple of ducks. Uh, they said there are a tremendous number of coots. Um, and it seemed that a lot of the shooting that was going on uh, was people shooting at this coot flight. But um, be that what it is, um, there, there just wasn't a whole lot of ducks. So uh, they, they only had a couple, and they were on their way in just a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Well, with regard to National Wildlife Refuges, um, I'm going to be talking about this in the coming weeks. I, I've been uh, put on notice that they're going to consider putting in public use permit fees. You know, uh, you just need a free annual permit to uh, participate in a lot of the activities on these National Wildlife Refuges, but they're going to propose some rates to be installed uh, for an annual public use permit, which would include Bayou Sauvage, Big Branch, Bogachita, and Delta. Uh, they're going to be asking for $20 on that. What is your thoughts on on that, a public use permit fee? I, I'm, I'm prepared to tell them, you know, I think that's a very small price to pay for access to those areas, but I think we need to be sure that that money is going to be used for the right purposes, you know? That's exactly it, Don, and that's the first I've heard of it. But uh, just like you, I would certainly support it, given you know twenty dollars for an annual fee. Um, but we, we need to be pretty clear on what, what's coming from it. You know, what are, are we improving facilities, improving you know boat launches and, and roads, or you know uh, any kind of other uh, facilities and amenities that are offered at these at these locations? Because just to just to tell the public that they need to cough up another twenty bucks, you know. Uh, that that might not go over too hot and then also be clear i guess it's a 20 dollars per person um fee so if you've got a group of hunting buddies you know everybody i guess would have to pay that 20 so you'd be in for say 60 for a group of three guys that hunt together a lot i suppose yeah that's for an annual then it's going to be a five dollars if you wanted to go by the day and then um you know there's also if you're going to hunt alligators in the lottery tag there's some other fees on there but in your opinion what would be the most needed improvement to make that a more suitable area what, what do they need for, particularly for for the big branch marsh yeah i think in, in the big branch area it's just ensuring that access is is uh is, is good for everybody um, you've got good, decent boat launches, but make sure they stay decent. We've got access roads, you know, little gravel roads through uh, Big Branch, especially some of those that drive into the pipeline areas and that sort. Uh, you know, put the dollars toward clearing out trees and opening up, you know, some of those pathways that people paddle through or, or, or motorboat through. Um, but that's really as far as I can I can think of. I mean. I, you would hope they've already got the funding. I know nothing's got as much funding as it needs, but if, when you go to think about um, educational facilities and that sort of thing, well, that's great. But, but if, as a hunter, it doesn't benefit me. Now, I understand it might benefit others on a more year-round basis, but if it's going to be, you know, a general access thing, well, I guess it does probably need to go 
to serve more than just the hunters. Um, so, uh, again, it, it'll really just come down to what's the allocation of those funds going to be. Well, in general terms, here's what they say, and this is general. It says road and parking lot maintenance, informational brochures, public outreach and educational programs, and law enforcement support. Those are the things, but, I mean, I don't see it. I'd have to actually look at the the, the legislation or the regulation that's put in and, and see if there is any dedication. Uh, and, you know, I think that's the only way to go these days when you're asking to, to tax users, because that's what it is. It's basically a, a tax on user groups sure. is that you have to guarantee that there's going to be something in it for them. And I will tell you this, there's a whole series of public forums where they're going to ask the public to come in and comment on this. And uh, I've got about six or seven of them, but the, the one that will be in Lacombe at the headquarters is going to be December 17th at 5 o'clock. And then they also have one in New Orleans, St. Francisville, Buris, Franklin, and Picayune, Mississippi. So you might want to spread the word for people to attend and voice their opinion and say, yeah, I would definitely give it my support, but we want some guarantee that it's going to come back to, to, to be put to the right purposes, you know, which in the case of a hunter, you know, access, like you say, and good roads and, you know, cleared waterways and that type of thing. And, hey, I'm not against, you know, better enforcement either. That's a good thing. Sure. Yeah, and and I uh, I have an acquaintance that that has served in the, the in all three of those uh, uh, units that you mentioned, Bogachita, uh, Delta, and Big Branch, and you know they they indeed are, are spread thin. You know, I, sometimes he's told me you can't get to the, uh, the Yahoo's shooting model ducks during teal season because he's over in Bogachita dealing with people spotlighting deer at night, and and they just you know the resources just aren't aren't there to have everybody in the right place all the time. So, um, you know, if that's what it goes to, then, hey, I'm okay with that, and I'm on board for 20 bucks for the whole year. We pay so much in everything else. I know it's a, a tough way to justify it, but as a hunter, especially, or fisherman, you know, you spend a lot of money on fuel and boats and what have you. Um, you know, mm-hmm. if this is going to go to improve your facility and your access, then, hey, I'm, I'm on board. Yeah, I think all those other things they mentioned are pretty well taken care of. I mean, I, I think the roads and the parking lot maintenance and the bro- – and I go on those areas quite regular just to go check them out and do a little bit of hunting and stuff on them. But the enforcement, I think, would be the big thing. I think they definitely need some more enforcement. And if some kind of way we could get it written into the uh, the fee structure, you know, the, the proposed it, that uh, I think they'd get a lot more support for it. Yeah, yeah, I, mean, I think you're probably right on that. Well, we shall see, and uh, we'll probably, maybe even next Saturday, I'll, I'll get someone to come on from uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service and talk more in detail and find out how people, if they turn up at these places, can can kind of ask for that. You know, we've seen that with our State Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. So many times we've voted on increases for permits and licenses and without guarantees, but thanks to the Coastal Conservation Association, they actually had it written in the law that there would be a sunset on it. If those funds were used for any other reason, other than what they were dedicated to, that it would revert back and it would be abolished. So those kind of guarantees are very important. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's the last thing you want to hear about is that it didn't go to what people thought it would be. Maybe it was misleading on the front end. But, um, again, that's the first I've heard of it. So uh, I'll certainly pique my interest, and I'll uh, be be looking into it uh, here shortly. Thanks, Darren, and congratulations on a great hunt. All right, Don. Talk to you all soon. Take care. 
Yes, sir. All righty. Darren Digby, one of our duck hunting field reporters. All right, we'll be back and uh, take you. Who is that next? Martha. Oh, we, we have located Martha Spencer. She's on a mission, not in Mission, Texas. She's in Catula, Texas, but she's on a mission to get a buck or a deer. We'll find out how she's doing. Day number three for her right after this. Photo uh, text in to me from uh, Darren Digby, the guy we were just talking to with a beautiful shot of his uh, two-man limit of gray ducks taken in the Delacroix Island Marsh today. Boy, what a beautiful day and some beautiful birds. Congratulations to Darren. All right, we're going to talk about that John Foltz Award, but first we go to Catula, Texas, where our co-host of Bayou Wild TV and this radio show, Martha Spence, has been on a mission out there deal hunting, day number three. Martha, catch us up on what's going on in Catula. First of all, where is Catula? Catula is about an hour and a half south of San Antonio, so we're in kind of the flatlands, deserty type area. It's very warm out. I'm in a t-shirt right now, and I did my first hunt uh, the day before Thanksgiving, and I took my first shot Thanksgiving morning. Um, this is a private property. It's uh, my boyfriend's grandfather's land, so it's a high-sense area, and uh, we do a lot of management here. So if there's a deer that they don't like the genetics on, that's generally the deer we're hunting for. And uh, when they take a trophy, it's very well selected, and We've seen a lot of trophies, in my opinion, but according to them, just not ready to take. So there's been a lot of three-and-a-half-year-olds with eight-point racks running around. I saw a 10-point and an eight-point this morning. But unfortunately, I'm on a specific deer mission because of what happened Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving morning, uh, we had picked out a six-point who was a mature deer, just didn't have a good rack. And uh, I thought I put a good shot on him, but it turns out it didn't. He, uh, he got grazed somewhere in the leg. It did not break his leg because he is still mobile. I found one spot of blood where I jumped him, but he is uh, he's still alive and he's still okay because we've seen him two or three other times on the camera at the same stand. So he's able to jump the fence well enough to get to the feeder, which tells me he's doing pretty good. But I've made it my mission to settle the score with him, and unfortunately the past few hunts he has not been where I have been. So I've decided that I'm just going to stick to the stand where I shot him at for the rest of the trip until he comes out again. So and so, you've kind of. <laughs> and what are the other hunters? Has anybody else been successful? It's just Andre and I hunting. There's some other family here. They've been um, deer watching. There's a lot of deer watching going on here, <laughs> which is cool. And there's um, some predator hunting sometimes at night. They've got the predator call they take out. But Andre and I are the only two that have been out pretty much every day. Uh, seen a lot of deer. It's been enjoyable. But I'll tell you what's tough about hunting out here. You know, deer that you would take in a hot second out in the wild, you kind of have to reel it in and say, well, maybe next year, which is very hard to do. <laughs> well, it doesn't sound like they've got a lot of pressure out there. How do they manage the number of does and, and, and take care of the They the have a pretty they, uh, they have more bucks than does, honestly. I've, um, they have uh, not wanted me to take any does yet. Um, we will likely be back after Christmas, and I think then maybe we will, but they're kind of getting an assessment. We didn't have any cameras up until this trip, so we've got cameras up on about half the stands, and which is great because it's already proven that certain deer are going to certain stands, so I know that the deer that I grazed is coming back to the stand that he's been at. So it's been helpful, but we still don't quite know all the deer. I haven't seen as many um, does as you would want um that's why i think they're being reserved on shooting does uh there's a lot of bucks around here um all ages 
from spikes to 10 points and in between. One thing that's neat that I did see this time for the first time was some javelina, which they hadn't seen around in a while, and that's a native pig to Texas. Had two of them coming out this morning, and they're smaller than the wild invasive pig, but they're native to Texas, and they're starting to make a bit of a comeback here. Well, it sounds like you've had a great show. It's better than watching television, huh? Oh, absolutely. I've seen everything from roadrunners to armadillos to bunny rabbits. I haven't seen any bobcats or, or uh, wolves yet. Those are the only two things I haven't seen. But pretty Oh, and turkeys. There's turkeys around, too. So there's a lot of wildlife. Great bird watching out here. Um, it's just there's so much nature. It's incredible. Uh, we made a quail hunt yesterday. Tell me about the quail situation. You've been seeing a few quail. Oh, you know, there's tons of quail out here, and it's cool. It, they would be challenging to hunt out here because of the terrain. There's a lot of things that can prick you. So with dogs, it would be a bit of a challenge. There seems to be a lot of cactus and a lot of spiky plants. But, I mean, every time I come to the stand, I jump a, you know, a covey of them at the feeder. Um, they've been walking around the feeder in six to ten at a time. So pretty healthy quail population, more than I remember seeing last year. Are they the bob whites or a different species? I believe they are the bob whites. Yes, they've got that white, the white bob. head on them. But they're pretty yeah, healthy I've looking, and that. I've seen more than more than I saw last season. Well, one of the reasons they're there is because of that habitat. Boy, that prickly cactus and all that other stuff—it makes it difficult for the predators to to get to them and before in there. And boy, you you got to really be careful with your dogs because they can get those uh, prickles in their nose and their mouth and everything else. But uh, you know. You got to send us I some think, pictures of the terrain. It's a it's a unique looking terrain over there. Yeah, I will. I got a couple pictures of those pigs. I'll send you too. I haven't really been taking yeah. a lot of deer pictures because I've been focusing on which one I can kill. But there's a lot of deer here. But um, <laughs> but yeah. I'll, send, I'll send you some wildlife. You've been focusing them on your scope. That's what you've been focusing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how many more how many more hunts have you got before you head back home? Well, it depends on if we have to go to this Christmas parade tonight. I'm hoping I can get out of it and come back to the stand. So technically that would give us tonight, all tomorrow, and Monday morning. So I've got four more hunts. Yeah, well, you got plenty of time to bag something. And when you get back, we're going to the island down there for the Hunt for the Hungry uh, hunt Absolutely. TV shoot. So that should be a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Well... I hope I uh, wish you some luck. Hope you get some. Uh, Mike Smith said uh, he doesn't like your gun. He said the trigger pulls too hard. He's okay. waiting to get his gun back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and he had a tough day down there. Well, he's now he texted me just a minute ago. He says he's starting to get a few now, but they they didn't have near the birds that we had when we were down there this week. So we got lucky how the for a change. Comes. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Well, good luck to you and uh, enjoy the rest of your trip. We'll see you when you get back home. All right. Sounds good. Take care. All righty. Martha Spencer on a deer stand in Catula, Texas. We come back after this. We're going to try to catch back up with Mike Smith because he said uh, he got some action over there. We'll find out what changed over in the Delacroix area. We're taking a little trip around duck hunting country. And also I'm going to tell you about this. Uh, I think it's a prestigious award that has been given to a guy I consider one of our team members on Bayou Wild TV, Chef John Foltz. All that's coming up right after this. And it is the open duck season. Uh, first split will be wrapping up in all three zones, the coastal, the east, and the west zone. Uh, one week from tomorrow will be the final day. Then it will be shut down for a short period of time and reopening in those zones. Uh, during this time of the year, we take you out to duck blinds for some live action. If you like me, the best, best thing to be in there is listening to what's going on. We listen in and hear the calling and the dogs and the shots going off and this morning, uh, it's been fairly slow. We had two real 
big successes. Uh, Darren Digby uh, hunting in the Delacroix area, not far from Mike Smith, uh, said they had a few birds, but they made them count. They got finished early and limited out with gray ducks. Uh, also, there were three limits of grays that were uh, taken out by uh Hackberry Rod and Gun with uh, Captain Kirk Stansel and his guests. They were done very early. Otherwise, it's been pretty slow in most areas as we await another frontal system. Uh, it's starting to cloud up just a little bit. We can expect those winds to pick up from the south and then go west and eventually northwest by tomorrow. 60% chance of rain. Uh, good news for waterfowl hunters. Always like to see fronts bringing in new birds. Let's go back out to, to Mike Smith. He, he got a little bit of a... a, a a spike in his action. Mike, tell us what happened since we last spoke. You ought to call periodically during the day because every time you call, birds come. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> hey, where are you doing the show at? City Park? I hear ducks in the background when you when you. Uh... Uh, that's that's Doug's <laughs> pet ducks. That's my producer, Doug Christian. He's got some pet ducks. And whenever he 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 holds up a feed bag and they start quacking and chirping and, and to get them ready. <laughs> so you got a little bit of action. Yeah, <laughs> we, we scratched out a few more. He said that, that, mild duck, yeah, mild duck, teal, spoonbill. You know, typical uh, Mining it out, huh? That's what they call slugging it out. You know, getting whatever. Slugging you can. it out. Yep. And a lot of them are teasing us just before they get to the D cars. They Turn off. So, you know, at least we were seeing a few birds. <laughs> a little better than when you called the first time. Yeah, but, um, well, that's good. Yeah, I should have went with Darren. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like he's not hunting far from you at all. Really? Yeah, him and I were supposed yeah. to make a hunt last week or something. But, no, the week before last, when it that, uh, had 30, 40-mile-an-hour 40 winds, and I said, ain't no damn way we're going. <laughs> Yeah, well, he got on them in the right spot, and uh, he and his partner both limited out on grays, all grays. Uh, oh man! He said it wasn't a lot of he said it wasn't a lot of birds, but he made his shots count. And, you know that that's important. Yeah, yeah, that, that can't be that. Nope. So we're gonna stick it out so, a little bit longer, see what happens. Yeah, where's Elliot hunting today? Is he out there hunting? No, he's not. He's not out today. In fact. Mm -hmm. uh, he texted me last night, wanting to know if I had a party for him to take out. I said, nope. <laughs> so he, he might be fishing, as far as I know. Yeah. Beautiful well, day for fishing. You you got a hunt scheduled tomorrow? Oh, yeah. All the way to December 8th, uh, second split, uh, first split closes. Oh, you got and every day a, booked, huh? Every darn day. Uh, and then uh, I get a two-week break. <laughs> yeah. We open December twenty one goes to January nineteenth. So, what do you generally do during the, the the split while it's down? Do you go back out and kind of rebrush blinds, or just kind of keep tabs on what's happened and where the birds are? Yeah, I, I won't start looking till about two or three days before the season because if you start looking too early, what you see then is gone by the time the season opens. I, I find, you know. Yeah. Right. So I'll go check out all the leases about maybe Wednesday or Thursday before the season opens again. As far as fixing up blinds, you, you know, we hunt for boat blinds. We'll cut a few brush to put it on the outside to give it that 3D effect. But uh, other than that, blinds are already fixed up. You know, after we left hunting with you, I, I was thinking about the hunt and that, that really nice patch of tall Rosso canes that we were backed up to. And, and and I've seen it, and you even mentioned it, that people go out and they stick Rosso canes in the in the mud 
to form their blind that they actually take root and they continue to grow. I wonder what would be the the the, the benefit of going out there and actually planting rows of, of rose cane to get it to take like that. I think about that every year, thinking about going like in April and, you know, with bundles of rosos and try to repair islands, you know, because that holds the uh, soil together. And uh, Absolutely. Yeah, but <laughs> I never get around to it. But I think this I year. I think that, I'm talking know, about maybe incorporated into the Coastal Restoration Program. That I would mean, be a you know, real you good put, idea. Pe- pe- yeah, you put people to work. I mean, you know, in, in a week's time, how much Rosso could you could you establish? You know, and I mean, exactly. it breaks storm surge and it holds soil together. And I know down in the mouth of the river, man, you pull bass and redfish out of those canes like crazy. So it's oh yeah, it's good for wildlife and fish. You know, maybe that's you know, see, maybe that's what we should be looking at. That's a good idea. You all see the area I have by Lake Larry. It, it's it looks like uh, on the where Ryan hunts has roseau cane all over the place, uh, willow trees, uh, cattails. It's it's a beautiful marsh. Uh, this is where I hunted opening weekend, but you know, like every other place, they kind of thinned out since then. But it's different than uh, you know any other lease I have. You know where we hunted mm-hmm. uh, Tuesday, they had that one pile of rosos that we but- we were butted up against, and the rest, you know, was flat marsh. You know. But this right, is all the other right. different place. Willow trees, mm-hmm. uh, what they call those little coffee bean trees, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, if you got any extra rosos, I'd uh, put them in some strategic spots. You know, you can pick a place. I mean, I don't, I'm not expecting you to restore our coast, Mike. <laughs> it's a little too much work for one guy. But, I mean, for your own personal uses on your leases, you know, pick the most uh, best position spot on different winds. And if you can get a patch like that to grow, once you back up to that, they they can't see you coming over oh, the top no. of you like that. When I was uh, putting out or picking up the decoys uh, Tuesday, y'all were invisible. I could hardly see y'all. You know, the whole whole boat just blended in with that background. And uh, yeah. th- those birds, <laughs> they were coming in close. <laughs> Especially yes, that they flock were. of grays yeah. and that first flock of teal. Oh, man. Beautiful. Yeah. Yep. But um, we'll see well, Mike, uh, you going to hang in there a little longer, try to pick off a few more? Yeah, we'll probably stay at about 10 o'clock tonight. We ought to have some. <laughs> they, they all look giving me strange-looking faces. They're from Tennessee. They hunted with me last year uh, four days. We had four good hunts in a row, so. Hopefully the you know, What else are they going to do? They, they, they don't have a football team worth of flips, so what else are they going to do? Might as well come down here and hunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. they all giving you the finger now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I've seen it the other way around, too. Well, look, Mike, y'all have fun out there, and uh, we'll be checking in with you periodically throughout the duck season. And thanks for a, a great hunt, and we'll look forward to seeing it coming up on the Fish and Game Report and by you all TV. Some good stuff. That'll work. I'll get in touch with you during the second split. Maybe we could do a repeat of what we did last uh, Tuesday. Sounds great. Sounds great. All right, Don. Good hearing from you. Okay. See you next time. Thank you. There goes Mike Smith. Uh, yeah, he's kind of slugging it out, we call it. You know, on a slow day, you pick a few off here, and by the time you pull out of there, you got your nice little mess of ducks to take home and cook. All right, we come back after this. I want to update you on this John Foltz Award. I'm really uh, honored to tell you about his honor that he well deserved. We'll be back to do that 
right after this. All right, welcome back in. I got a text message in wanting to know if uh, Martha is hunting Senderos. Uh, no, it's not Sendero country where she is. Boy, it's some gnarly-looking prickly pear, thick kind of stuff with cactus mixed in it. It's pretty much it's pretty much flat country. Uh, anyway, she's going to have lots of pictures and uh, maybe even a little bit of video when she gets back. We'll take a look at it. All right, one thing uh, I wanted to mention and congratulate uh, a good friend of mine and one of our team members of Bayou Wild TV, Chef John Foltz. You know, he's written books. He's got restaurants. He's got his own product line. Uh, he has a catering business. He's also got a reception hall, beautiful place, uh, White Oak Plantation out in uh, in Baton Rouge, and we go out there occasionally, and we tape shows and cooking features that we show on Bayou Wild TV. In fact, I was telling you just a few moments ago about some of the ones upcoming. Uh, that Death by Gumbo, one of his most popular recipes, uh, made with quail and oyster and a jambalaya into a gumbo. It's absolutely phenomenal. And uh, it's the first time it's ever been on TV, and it'll be on an upcoming episode of Bayou Wild TV. Also did a very good Mai Mai dish uh, from Prince Murat. And also a, a rabbit sauce pecan for you rabbit hunters. And also a venison Wiener schnitzel, which I took that recipe and uh, took a, I, I, believe me, I, I've got a lot of wild turkey meat in my freezer. I was very fortunate. I got three uh, big wild turkeys last season and uh, de-breasted them. I'm, I'm not a user of the thighs and the legs on wild turkeys. Uh, I, I guess you could if you really wanted to put them in a crock pot and cook them down till the meat was falling off the bones uh, but they're just very very tough because obviously a, a wild turkey lives by his wits and his, his legs and his wings and uh, the, the thighs on them are very thin also kind of tough but the breast meat is really tender and it's uh, big and juicy and I've got three of them so I decided on this Thanksgiving I would cook uh, one of the wild turkeys and uh, I used that Venus schnitzel recipe I got from John and substituted wild turkey. What I did with it was I put a little meat tenderizer, and then I've got my meat hammer. And i tell you what, if you've never invested in one of those, get a good, heavy meat tenderizer, the one that makes the little knobby treads on the meat. If you ever bought meat steak in a grocery store, you can see that it's been pounded with a meat hammer. Probably they run it through a, a machine or a processor that does the same thing. But it breaks down the sinew and the membranes and, and, and tenderizes it. Well, after doing that, I dusted it off. I actually did two different versions. I used some coconut flour for one just as an experiment. That was pretty good. But the Italian breadcrumbs that John Foltz uses uh, for his venison Venus schnitzel uh, is really the best. And you coat it, you know, dip it through some egg wash and milk and then put it in Italian breadcrumbs. And then I did it in an air fryer. Now, he did his in uh, olive oil, which is a saute, and that comes out very good. Probably even a little better if you do that. But to save time and clean up, uh, I put it in my air fryer and put it for about 17 minutes at 380, which is less than you would fry chicken at. And it came out very, very good with some uh, whole cranberry. Mm. Uh, very good. Very good stuff. Anyway, John Foltz, uh, extraordinaire chef, uh, he has been honored. Uh, he will be presented uh, what is known the Lifetime Achievement in Hospitality called the Ella Brennan Hospitality Award. And it's going to be coming up at a reception and an award presentation in January at the Ritz-Carton Hotel. Uh, the Bayou Wild 
team is going to be there with him. And I got to tell you about this this award. It's called the Ella Brennan Lifetime Achievement in Hospitality, and it's given to someone who, over their lifetime, has made a commitment to our Louisiana hospitality industry through their leadership, personal, professional accomplishments, philanthropic, in other words, what do they do for charity, contributions in the community, and it's named after the legendary restaurateur Ella Brennan. I'm sure anyone ever been anywhere near New Orleans knows the name Brennan with restaurant and food. Well, she had a very deep passion and a commitment, and uh, it's made a longstanding impact in the hospitality industry for the city of New Orleans and the state of Louisiana. And this year, John has been selected to receive that award, and it's very well deserved. Some of the past recipients, to give you an idea of how prestigious an award this is, uh, she was the first recipient in 2010, and they named it after her, Ella Brennan. Uh, Chef Paul Prudhomme was the winner in 2011. Uh, William Bill Goldring in 2012. Uh, another uh, great chef who recently passed away, Chef Leah Chase, earned it in 2013. Uh, Drago and Clara Satanovich, which is, the, of course, the founders of the very famous Dragos. And, uh their family has continued to continue that uh, tradition, uh, best known for their uh, grilled oysters and some of the best you'll ever find at Drago Seafood Restaurants. There's one in Metairie and one in New Orleans. And then Ron Foreman, who has done a lot of work in New Orleans as a, uh, with the Audubon Institute. Uh, Ralph Brennan, uh, uh, another one of the Brennan family with restaurants. They, he won it in 2016. And then the guy that uh, really came and kind of took New Orleans and, and Creole cooking by storm, Emeril Lagasse, in 2018. And uh, Mark Romig, the Romig family, has done uh, wonderful things for hospitality in New Orleans. Mark, generally with uh, the Saints uh, announcer, and has done some a lot for the public relations. And this year in 2020, uh, it goes to our, our own chef, John Foltz. And uh, John, of course, if anyone knows him, uh, he's fulfilled all of those requirements for winning this award. He certainly has made a lifetime commitment through, through commitment through his leadership, his personal and his professional accomplishments. I mean, the guy is nonstop. Uh, he started in the restaurant business, actually came from a very large uh, family living along the banks of the Mississippi River, and he went on to, uh, to become the founder of a restaurant and then a food company, uh, he's written several books, uh, and I tell you, you won't find a better wild game cookbook than the one entitled After the Hunt. And just about anything that crawls, flies, or swims in Louisiana is covered in that book in terms of, of game. And then he has uh, uh, Hooks, Lies, and Alibis, the seafood book. And these books each weigh about 10 pounds. Uh, he's got pictures in it. And is actually a, kind of an historic account of hunting and fishing in Louisiana, how it's progressed from the early days when the Cajuns first arrived and where they came from. John is somewhat of an historian besides being an excellent chef. And then he's also uh, become an ambassador for Louisiana. His name and his food and his products are well-known all over the country, in fact, all over the world. And He's also done an awful lot for, for charity. Uh, he has uh, done 
fundraises uh, on top of fundraises and given a lot of money. He's got the John Foltz Culinary Institute where he inspires young people to enter into the culinary arts and become chefs themselves. Uh, he's got a great staff that works with him. Uh, his people are very dedicated because he treats them very well. He's just one of the, the most unique people I've ever met, and I really enjoy co-hosting cooking features with him. And if you want to see those, uh, they're available on our BayouWildTV.com website. Uh, we both have uh, strictly a recipe section, or if you watch each episode, all of our episodes, uh, we kind of close it out with a little cooking feature. Most of the time, we try to coordinate it with what we do in the program. If we're duck hunting, we'll do a duck recipe, or if we're uh, bird hunting, we'll do a pheasant or quail. And if we're fishing for certain species, he'll kind of do those. And he's got a recipe for everything. And, and the two things I think that I have come away with most in, in learning to become a better cook from John Foltz is, number one, the ingredients. Uh, use good, fresh ingredients. It's, you know, what goes in determines what comes out. And the other thing is cooking with stocks. Uh, what a difference that makes. I mean, he'll make a shrimp stock, crab, fish, uh, use a lot of chicken stock if he's cooking birds. Uh, he uses the bones uh, of a lot of the, the, the carcasses to make his stocks, and it just adds so much to it where, you know, the average person, you or I, would cook it, and then when he cooks it his way, it just takes it, like he says, to another level. And we really enjoy it, and he's a lot of fun to work with, and uh, just a, a great all-around guy, and I'm so glad to see him get this award. It's uh, probably overdue. Of course, he's in some good company with those names I gave out, but it's going to be in January, and we'll probably have a little bit of TV coverage on it and show you some of that on Bayou Wild TV. And if you need a recipe, uh, you can go to his website, johnfoltz.com. He makes a lot of his recipes available, and you don't have to buy his cookbook, but uh, uh, what a great Christmas gift that makes. Uh, he's also got one out on vegetables, an entire cookbook on vegetables. And then, of course, the, the after the hunt, the proper pre-preparation for game, uh, how to cook it, store it. Um, and then the same thing on hooks, lies, and alibis and tells a complete history of how fishing and hunting has evolved throughout the state of Louisiana. Anyway, congratulations to John Foltz. Uh, the latest recipient of the Ella Brennan Lifetime Achievement in Hospitality Award. And uh, be looking forward to that. All right, something else I wanted to make you aware of. I just kind of got this, and news is kind of getting out on it. But the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, uh, the National Wildlife Refuges, is going to be taking comments on creating an annual public use permit fee. Uh, they have opened up the discussion to the public uh, these are the fee rates that are proposed, $20 for an annual permit for Bayou Sauvage, Big Branch, Bogachita, and Delta. Those are primarily the ones that allow hunting on them. Uh, if you want to do it by the day, there's a $5 public use permit fee for those areas. And for some of the other ones, Bayou Tesh, Cat Island, and Mandalay, that's a separate $20 fee. In other words, you'd have to pay $40 if you plan on hunting or using those refuges on both of them. And then if you are looking to become an alligator hunter and you'd like to get an alligator tag on the Chafalaya, Bayou Sauvage, Bayou Tesh, Bogachita, Delta, and Mandalay refuges, uh, that would be a $40 cost to apply for an alligator tag. What these fees will be intended for would be road and parking lot maintenance, 
uh, the informational brochures. Uh, they print out some nice brochures with maps. Uh, they also would like to do more public outreach and educate the public about uh, the opportunities that exist there. And also law enforcement, which I think is probably the one thing that they lack, is funding to do better enforcement on these areas. And they're going to have a series of public hearings, um, and I've got a complete list. I'll probably post them on my website. But um, they're everywhere from Picayune, Mississippi, to Franklin, uh, to Buras, St. Francisville, Lacombe, and New Orleans. Uh, They'll be scheduled between the dates of December the 10th through December the 18th. They're open to the public. They want you to come there and and basically hear what they plan on doing with these permits, where the money will be spent, and then ask you to comment. If you'd be willing to pay this money, do you think it's uh, warranted that that's done? And then they'll take the comments, and uh, they'll review it before they make a final decision on whether they're going to put these fees and permit processing in. Uh, There's also... uh, a way you'll be able to send it in to them. And I'll have all that information. In fact, I'm going to try to get a representative, if not Becky Larkins. Uh, She's the refuge ranger for the Southeast Louisiana National Wildlife Complex, which encompasses all of these, and maybe get her to come on uh, possibly next week, explain the permit, why we need it, and how you can get involved in, in supporting it. Or if you're against it, if you don't think it's necessary, let them know that. Anyway, I hear Reed Alleman singing in the background. That means it's time for us to shut her on down, Leroy, as they say, and look forward to next week. And don't forget Bayou Wild TV, Cox Sports TV, coming up at 9. We'll see you next week with more of the Outdoor Show. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.